Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before we get into the knowledge bomb, I want to tell you about a competition that I'm running. I have two tickets to attend the Echelon Front Muster with me in December this year. It's the 4th and 5th of December 2019 and it's being held in Sydney. Speaking of knowledge bombs, the event has Jocko Willink and his team from Echelon Front teaching combat leadership techniques and how to apply these to business and life. The tickets are valued at 3,700 Australian dollars. You'll have to pay your own travel and accommodation, but I think that's fairly reasonable. To be in the running for the tickets, you need to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and then email me that you've left a review at bram at warrioru.com.au. So to be in the running, you need to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and then email me bram at warrioru.com.au and tell me you've left a review. In October, we'll go through all the reviews since the start of May and put everyone's name in the draw to win. It's that easy. The tickets will be drawn on October 31st. If you'd like to buy a ticket in advance to join me at a table, then jump on the Echelon Front website and take advantage of their discounts. That's echelonfront.com, all one word. Okay, let's get into the show. Hey everyone, this is the first of what I'm going to refer to as a knowledge bomb, a 10-minute podcast that gets to the core of a topic or a skill. This week I'm going to be talking about team resilience. Right up front, the main thing I want you to remember is that preparation, communication and positivity are the foundation of organisational resilience preparation, communication, and positivity. When I was preparing my special forces team for operations in the GAN, you've got to say it like that, it's the GAN, I made it my mission to be successful in three things. Being prepared for anything that we might encounter, communicating everything and communicating often, and finding the good in any situation, no matter how chaotic, violent, or untenable. And there were some chaotic, violent, and untenable things that happened there. It just so happened that these three things assisted me in developing a team that had very high organisational resilience. I didn't seek to create a resilient team, actually. At least, that wasn't my focus at the time. However, over time, it became evident that team resiliency is what sets us apart from other units and the enemy. This could be seen in the way that we coped with adversity and the way that we bounced back from failures. Not that there was that many failures, to be fair. It wasn't until I started my own consultancy company, teaching leadership and resilience, and also working with academics that I learnt the theoretical principles behind why this had been effective. The academic theories are too broad to delve into here, but if you'd like access to these, just reach out to me. All right, let me expand on each one in turn. The first one, being prepared for anything that we would encounter. I wanted to ensure that we were prepared for any tasks that we might come across. So we made a list of every task that we would be given, and then we practiced all of them. While we were doing this, we developed standard operating procedures and checklists that we could fall back on for all of these tasks. We catalogued all of these and reviewed them and made amendments on every training iteration that we did. We made the training as realistic as possible. 
There was nothing in our remit we had not trained for. We extended our focus even beyond what could reasonably be expected of us, you know, just in case. We looked after our health and fitness too, seeing this as a natural extension of our preparation. I knew that we'd need to climatize fast, so we prepared for that. We also studied our enemy. We knew their tactics from the past and we kept track of changes to ensure nothing they did would surprise us. Okay, let's look at this from the corporate perspective, referring back to you know special forces as an example. In the corporate world, it's about hiring the right people for the right roles in the first place. In special forces, we specially select and then train people for their roles. In the corporate world, it's about developing work-life balance programs for employees where practical. Where in special forces, it's about managing people's workloads and ensuring that they are maintaining their fitness, nutrition, and of course, rest. In the corporate world, there's a requirement to provide upskilling to meet an ever-changing operational landscape and conducting analysis of competitors in the market so that you're prepared for their actions and their reactions. In special forces, it's the same. We need to meet a gross training requirement, ensuring our teams have the right balance of skills to use the equipment and technologies at our disposal. Also, I can't stress enough the importance of wargaming. The second and third order effects have to be known of the decisions and strategies that you're going to make. In the corporate world, this could be an analysis for the market or your competition or changes in technologies or even um, legislation. In special forces, it's analysis of these same things, except we focus on the enemy and their most dangerous and most likely courses of action, the operating environment as well, and also the effects of weather and terrain. The reason this assists with resilience is that when the worst case does occur, you've already seen this eventuality and you've already prepared a response. Therefore, your team can be agile enough to respond to it. There's no decision shock, just a branch plan or a sequel or a decision point or a decisive event, to use military terms. No matter what happens, it's not a surprise to you. Okay, the second one, communicating everything and communicating often. Leaders often forget that small changes to a plan at their level can have massive impacts down on the shop floor. As an example, on one particular mission, we walked from a forward operating base through the night out to a target village. It was, I guess, around a 40-kilometer uh, infiltration through the night. We were navigating using night vision goggles. Some of the journey would have been over steep and rocky terrain. There was around 30 of us strung out in single file with 15 meters between each man. This was to you know, mitigate the damage of someone stepping on an improvised explosive device, as morbid as that sounds. 10,000 feet or so above us, we had a Predator drone. It had a, a bird's-eye thermal view of our path ahead. Right, so the drone pilot observed some goat herders moving on a ridgeline a few hundred metres out in the darkness. He radioed the information to me. I stopped the team to wait until the goat herders moved out of our way. They didn't. The night had been hot to start with, and we'd all been sweating. You know, we were carrying heavy loads of weapons and ammunition. In fact, commandos often carry more ammunition and weapons than what they would food, water, batteries, and everything else combined. It was now 2am and a cold breeze blowing across us, and as a result, we're all freezing just sitting there in sodden, wet uniforms, freezing. I could have just sat there shivering, but I got up and walked quietly from the front of the line. Well, close enough to the front. Obviously, there was a few people in front of me that I had to walk up to first. Yeah, you know, bloody captain, I'm not going to be right at the front. But anyway, I, do, I digress. I wanted to let every single person know why we had stopped. I also told them how long we would wait and what my plan was if the goat herders didn't move within the hour. My men knew that I would be there because I had form for that. It's what I would it's what I did. I told them everything, I communicated often and I communicated everything that I could. 
Because they knew this, they didn't start rumors. They didn't start second guessing, which would have been easy enough to do, I guess, sitting there cold, wet, hungry, and no movement with still 12 kilometers to walk to a target. So leadership at its very core is an energy transference. A team will not remain resilient if they don't know what's going on, which means the leader has to have energy. A team is less resilient when there is room for ambiguity. A toxic operating environment supports the spread of rumors. I've actually seen an organization which was plagued by backstabbing and hearsay turn itself completely around. And this was done by the leaders holding employees to account for their conversations and implementing more efficient communication standards and principles. Right, so communicate clearly and communicate often. And remember, leadership is an energy transference. So if you're the leader, communicate. If you're not communicating, you're not leading. Thirdly, finding the good in any situation, right? No matter how untenable. This may just be the most important aspect to team resilience. It's also a fundamental requirement for individual resilience. If you have prepared for any eventuality, and if you are effectively communicating, then there should be no reason to not be enthusiastic, energetic, you know, positive. You see, positivity is absolutely contagious and it spreads from person to person, just as negativity is a cancer and eats a team away from the inside. If you've got that negative Nancy in your team, cut them out. As a leader of a resilient team, it is your responsibility to frame everything as a positive. Look for the silver lining and sell it hard to your team. When someone is negative, call them out. If they are combative and negative about how things are running, then give them the opportunity to run something their way to gain the experience and to see how hard it actually is. Perhaps they do have a better way, or at the very least they'll gain the experience from the humbling experience. Just to be sure, maintain optimistic outlook at all time. Positivity, optimism, and reframing the situation. It's okay to reflect and learn lessons from setbacks, as long as this is done in a way that promotes team growth. Dwell on setbacks, and you start to let these setbacks define you, rather than using the experience as a growth opportunity. There's a saying that you might have heard of, pertains to leadership. You can't sweep a set of stairs starting at the bottom. And so it goes for leadership. It's important that the senior leadership team actively promote preparation, communication, and that they're positive. And this should be done through organizational core values and within the cultural language or lexicon of the business. Righto, that's the knowledge bomb, 2,000 pounders, right there. Team resilience. If anyone has any questions, reach out to me. Bram at warrioru.com.au. Catch you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.